What I like most about the new Halloween is that its message could be boiled down to something as simple as don't fuck around with evil. Don't try and study it or understand it or do a podcast about it or whatever. Just kill it. I'm Sean Reedy. And I'm Katie Toole. And this is Friday Night Frights. A podcast about trauma, old friends, and really terrible podcasters. Yeah, they're just not very good. I mean, good. they give us all a and bad name. They're in uh, investigative journalists. Oh, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> How does $3,000 sound? <laughs> I mean, that'd probably open up my gate. I talk to them. For five minutes? Absolutely. Right. Five minutes, three grand? Done. She only said that she would talk to them. She right. gave them no information. Yep. And then they gave her the $3,000. Yeah. And sounds like, sounds like a uh, good plan to me. Sorry about it. So today is the day that Halloween Kills releases in theaters and on Peacock. Mm-hmm. So we are going to be discussing Halloween 2018. Yes. Which is its direct predecessor. Mm-hmm. Also this week, obviously... Um, the new Scream trailer oh yes, was released, which is very exciting. But given that and this, I really wish they would stop naming sequels just the exact same title as the original movie. Oh, you mean that it's not, that's confusing to you or something? Yes. Why? I don't understand. They're, they're a two completely different movies of the same name and of the same killer and everything. But they're... Right. The same storyline. Right. Like, overall. Yes. But two different movies. Yeah, they're sure. two different movies, clearly, Katie. I mean, clearly. When you say Halloween, I immediately think of all of 11 films. <laughs> <laughs> Which you shouldn't, because according to this new timeline, most of them don't exist. Right. So that is, I don't remember if we said this in the episode we did about the original Halloween. Mm-hmm. 100% my favorite thing about the Halloween franchise is every 20 years, they just decide to scrap the whole fucking thing. Yep. <laughs> They're like, nah, no, forget it. No. <laughs> yeah, because they, they restarted it with what? Halloween H2O was like... Halloween H2O erased every sequel. So three through six. Right. Which like... Okay. Fair. <laughs> They're not great. But like at that point... So Jamie Lloyd then does not exist. Right. And then in H2O, she has a son. Yep. Who then in this movie does not exist. Yep. And none of, and neither does Jamie Lloyd and we're back to the original, like a direct sequel to the original movie. Yep. That's how, that's how this works. (laughs) (laughs) That's how sequels work. Yeah, absolutely. This is, this is fine. Everything's fine. Um, And I know that you and I kind of discussed it earlier, but. Like, and I, and I guess the only thing that I could think of is because they technically kind of did it with Halloween H2O, mm-hmm. is that with this sequel, they really should have included one and two. Because it would have made the plot make more sense. It would have made her behavior yes. make so much more sense. Mm-hmm. Because, yes, based only, like, obviously, and 
I, I'm not trying to downplay anyone who, who has gone through anything so horrific, right, right, as what happened to her in the first movie. But the absolute certainty she had that he was going to come back mm-hmm. really only makes sense if he had already come back once. Right. Which he did. And two. two, right? Yeah. Like, he literally attacked Laurie Strode herself again. Yeah. In the hospital mm-hmm. after they thought that he was gone. Right. I feel like even including that would have made a lot more sense. Because I feel like the Laurie Strode that we see in this film is the Laurie Strode that has been produced by all of the Halloween movies that Jamie Lee Curtis has been in. Yep. Like that at this point, this is who we'd have. Yeah, absolutely. Not necessarily who we would get after the first movie. No, I mean, like, I I could see it. but Yeah, the, certainly. Like, everyone responds differently. Right. But the second movie being included would make it make a lot more sense. Mm-hmm. It would, it would, like, if they just talked about it even, then it would have a bit better of a flow. But, like, they just don't know. It's, it didn't happen. Right. He was just captured and he was put in a hospital and... Right, that night. Yeah, that like, was it. He walked away from the house after Loomis shot him, and then Hawkins arrested him. Right. End of story. Like, uh. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know about it. I don't know. But, I mean, I, I do like... I did overall enjoy this film, even though it is absolutely ridiculous. Oh, absolutely. Like, but I think it was intended to be ridiculous. Right. I mean, it's it's sort of... It's very self-referential. Yes. Um, and the drama in this movie over is the top. <laughs> oh, way over the top. Whereas, like, the thing about the original is that it was it was almost stark. It was so restrained. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, it was just almost at the level of, like, a documentary. Yeah. Level of production. Mm-hmm. Because they had no money. <laughs> right. <laughs> They had a lot more money, but I mean a hair, a little bit a dollar or do more, <laughs> a few million dollars mm-hmm. more. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this is a very different film, mm-hmm. and because it's a film for a very different time, it is. I mean, it's definitely designed to be set in modern day, mm-hmm. like, you know. and and it's they specifically like address the psychological effects that one would go through. Yes, I I do like that we are talking about Laurie's trauma. Mm-hmm. And the effect that it had on her. Mm-hmm. And how it saves her life again. Right. Which is kind of a mixed message. Yeah, a little bit. Because, like, how she lived her life was definitely not healthy at all. Nope. And, like, it was a maladjustment. Mm-hmm. And, like, at the end of the film, they're kind of like, see, it's good that she did that. It's like, no. Hi, she set up multiple booby traps in her house. Right. And outside of her house. Yeah. Uh, mm. eh. You just had open fucking gas lines in your house. Like, that. how was that fine? <laughs> how was that okay? How did we get there? And why did we say, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> Sweet child of mine. I'm so glad you're living in this house with me. Right. Let me train you how to be, how to how to defend yourself at nine. And also, um, your room has a gas line in it. Don't touch right. it. <laughs> Don't touch it. Or, or the, like, heating element that's going to make it explode. Right. You know, maybe she put in the gas lines after... The kid was taken away. Uh, <laughs> we can only hell no! Or maybe that's one of the things that made them take the kid away. I mean, I'd probably take a kid away. 
If I was uh, if I was in that position. Oh, tonight. if I walked into that compound, absolutely, any child would be walking out with me. Yep. If I had the authority to do that, which I don't, but. <laughs> but if I did. Yep. Otherwise, come it's with. Just, otherwise it's just kidnapping yeah, uh, <laughs> it's yeah. Not, not great <laughs> yeah. we actually saw this film together in the theater on Halloween night did we? we did <laughs> <laughs> we did we did I do remember yeah. I do remember seeing this in theaters though mm-hmm. and, I'm, and I'm glad I did yeah for sure like I said I, I do enjoy it like mm-hmm. it's it's a it's a solid little slasher mm-hmm. um you know, there are a few moments where I was like, really? Oh, yeah. <laughs> there is a moment where I'm like, okay, we just jumped the fucking shark. What, just, what is happening? <laughs> like, I was fine until right now. But we, we will get to that. We will get to that. First, it is Shock Tale Hour. Tonight's Shock Tale is called The Haddonfield, and it is so delicious. Yum, it's yum, amazing. Yum, 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 yum. <laughs> it is the definition of fall. It really is. Like, it's, <laughs> it is fall in a glass. Mm-hmm. Um, it consists of equal parts. So, mm-hmm. like, as big or as small as you want to make it. Mm-hmm. Um, equal parts, Applejack, mm-hmm. Fireball, and Hennessy. Or the cognac of your choice. Right. We used Hennessy. And we thought it would be appropriate, right? Because, uh, you know, they set the whole fucking house on fire. <laughs> and I mean, it's essentially like a shot. It is a shot. Yeah. I mean, I, I wouldn't recommend making it bigger than a shot. Right. <laughs> like half an ounce of each, mm-hmm. maybe a tiny bit more. So they have guts. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying I'm linking it. It's You're linking link. it back to them. Yes. The the right. The the drink represents the three women. Yes. Who are fiery and also set things on fire. Mm-hmm. And and take shots. Yep. So and Lori herself actually like takes a couple of shots as well. So. She sure does. She <laughs> takes a few swigs. <laughs> you know, and really can't believe. Right. I mean trauma's real, friends. Mm-hmm. Everyone's got a different way of dealing with it. But maybe don't deal with it like this. <laughs> <laughs> Not the greatest. Not the great choices. No. Not the greatest choices. <laughs> Speaking of choices. Yeah. The film opens with two podcasters mm-hmm. who are Truly terrible people. Yeah. They're doing everything, anything they possibly can for a story. Mm-hmm. They're like, how do we, how do we stir up some shit? And the audacity of this man. Oh, yeah. Like. Oh, the question. Oh. I got, I got literally angry at him. Uh-huh. More than once. Mm-hmm. But especially when he's like standing there screaming at Michael to say something. Mm-hmm. So they go to Smith's Grove. Like we said, the entire the entire series has been erased back to the original. Mm-hmm. So in the, you know, in the story arc of this particular film, in this film's universe, Michael was captured right after he left the Strode house. The Doyle house. Right after he left the Doyle house. Right. On Halloween night. Mm-hmm. He was arrested by Frank Hawkins 
and sent back to Smith's Grove, mm-hmm. where he is now under the care of a Dr. Sartain, obviously, because Dr. Loomis is long dead, as right. is Donald Pleasant, so they couldn't really bring him back for this. Right. <laughs> um, Which I do like that they address. Like, they do. He, yeah. he says that, like, once Dr. Loomis died, yeah. I took him over. Mm-hmm. Um, and we hear Donald's Pleasant, Donald Pleasance's voice as well in some of the like archival recordings that they listen to, which yep. is cool. Like that's a nice little way to like bring him in because he was such a huge part of the series. He was in more of these movies than Jamie Lee Curtis was, I think, mm-hmm. or at least equal right. amount. Because I think that he was in like four and five, at least. I don't know. I don't remember. It doesn't matter. <laughs> We're not doing those movies. We're doing this one. And as far as this one is concerned, those don't don't exist. So uh, he's now under the care of a Dr. Sartain. And these podcasters, Dana and Aaron, they're British, come to interview him. Now, this is a man who has not said a word since 1963. But they are convinced he's going to talk to them. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, they're investigative journalists. Come on. They're going to talk to us. That's what I say. Like, the audacity of this man is he he stands there, right, outside of the, like, you know, box that they, like, that are, like, as as long as Michael's chain is. So, like, he, right. he wouldn't be able to get to him. Because it is a hospital for the criminally insane. Let's remember. Um, <laughs> right. But. And he has the mask with him. Which, like, he somehow attained. Yeah, I'm like, how did you... Wouldn't that be in, like, the police evidence or something like that? Oh, yeah. I mean, I would think that they wouldn't give that to anybody. No. Like... Like, how did you end up getting that? I mean... I mean, he says he has a friend, but still. Like, I feel like that's blithely illegal. Yeah. And they're... Like, you'd think that the people that are standing by him, watching him pull it out of his bag and hold it up to Michael... Would be like, hmm... I don't know if you should have that. Where'd you get that? Hmm. But he does. He holds it up to Michael and he starts screaming at him. Mm-hmm. Which is, you know, a great way to deal with somebody who has brutally murdered, like, ten people. Yeah. Totally logical. Totally totally how you should address that person. Mm-hmm. But he gets nothing. Of course he gets nothing because it's Michael Myers. He doesn't, he doesn't make a sound. Right. <laughs> so they leave and they decide that they're going to go harass Laurie Strode. Now, we learn... That Lori has been living as basically a, a doomsday prepper, for lack of a better analogy, for the last 40 years. Mm-hmm. Except her doomsday isn't, you know, any kind of like, you know, catastrophic climate event or a war. Her doomsday is specifically Michael Myers escaping and coming after her. Yep. And it has led to her living in a... It has led to her living in a isolated compound with very high security that we later learn is booby trapped. Mm-hmm. And Aaron and Dana, the podcasters, show up to interview her. Right. She doesn't want to let them in at first, and they offer her three thousand dollars, and they let her in. And it's like, oh, you know, fair. Uh, Here you go. Here's five words. Give me the five. Give me the three grand. Right. <laughs> and their grand idea is that they're going to antagonize her. With questions about her painful past. 
And then ask her to go speak to Michael. Like, yeah, sure. That, sure. Great. That'll idea. happen. Mm-hmm. We also learn that she has a daughter. Mm-hmm. Again. Different daughter. But again, a daughter. <laughs> so another 20 years, you know, she'll be 80 something. And, <laughs> and have five kids. And... She'll have a son again. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> she'll, have five, she'll have five boys. <laughs> like, wait a minute. All named Michael. No. Uh, <laughs> We laugh now, but like archive this because it'll probably happen. Um, <laughs> but that the state took her daughter away when, when she was 12 years old. Mm-hmm. So she takes the money and kicks them out. Yep. As, as one would do. As one would do because they are assholes. Mm-hmm. Um, we learn that the funding to study Michael Myers at Smith's Grove has run out. Mm-hmm. And he is going to be transferred to a maximum security prison because the state feels that there's nothing more that anyone can learn from him. Right. And so, uh, and Lori, of course, knows this. Right. Right. Of she knows when he's being transferred, where he's being transferred, the time the bus is leaving. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they're like, let's do this. Let's, let's do this. 40 years later on Halloween, the day before Halloween. Right, on a major milestone anniversary of his killing spree. Yeah. Like, if I were in charge of Michael Myers, I simply would keep him in his cell all day on Halloween. Yeah. Like, I just wouldn't... I would not choose that day to give him any chance to escape. Nope. Like, I... Like, you know what? You know what's a good day to transfer him? November 16th. Absolutely. Why not? April 12th. Yeah. Literally. <laughs> <laughs> any day you have let's say any day other than halloween or the day before halloween you have 362 choices just saying just saying come on folks but they again for the second time because this is how he escaped the first time they weren't transferring him but they were taking him to some sort of right conference or something right Mm -hmm. there or to some kind of like to a doctor i don't know but they were they were taking him out of the hospital anyway it's not another point is you really shouldn't have done this on Halloween. Nope. Uh, it is at this point that we are introduced to Laurie Strode's now adult daughter. Yes. And her family. Mm-hmm. Uh, her name is Karen. She has a husband named Ray and a daughter named Allison, mm-hmm. who is 16 or 17-ish, right? right? Right around the same age, ironically, that Laurie was right. in 1978. Uh-huh. And ironically, a almost completely unknown actress like Jamie Lee Curtis was. Right. In 1978. <laughs> That's true. Uh, what is her name? The actress? Yeah. Uh, that is a good question. I literally just had it open. Um, it's Andy Matichak. Mm-hmm. And the daughter... Oops, just hit my mic. And the daughter is Judy Greer. Yes. Who does a great job, but sometimes it's hard for me not to be like, that's Judy Greer. Right? Like, right. I know. I know. I saw her pop up and I was like. And you're like, oh, it's Judy Greer. And then you're like, nope, stay in it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, wait a minute, Judy Greer, what are you doing here? (laughs) Like, this isn't the type of movie you're usually in. Nope. (laughs) Um, Which is not a bad thing. Very good. It's good that she's like, you know, spreading her wings. And she does a great job in the movie. Yes. Um, It's very well acted. It is. Like, It's, it's very well acted. It is like. It's funny because, like, watching this movie, it's 
it's interesting seeing everyone say exactly what they're thinking. That's literally what happens in this. That is true. Everyone, there's, nobody has a filter. No, not not any of them. Yep. (laughs) They make fun of each other. Like, well, they, they talk down to each other Mm -hmm. in a very, very aggressive way. Mm -hmm. Like even, uh, even the granddaughter, um, Allison is like super aggressive to Laurie Strode. Like, we'll get to that part, but. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But she (laughs) is, she talks, you know, well, they're all like. They're very tense relationships. Yes. Right? Like, because the tension between Lori and her daughter is compounded by the relationship between Lori and her granddaughter. Mm -hmm. But, like, her granddaughter is still kind of mad at her, but she's, like, more mad at her mom. So there's, like, all kinds of... There's, like, Mm -hmm. layers to the tension of this. And then there's the dad who's over here, like, don't, don't, don't. Right. (laughs) Has no idea what what kind of fucked up family he got into. Right, like, 100%, like, there for comic relief, Ray is. Oh, (laughs) yeah. like... He he contributes nothing. (laughs) No. Which is fine. No, he actually... Because he's adorable. He is adorable. And he dies the, the most basic ways, too. Out of everyone. He does, he does. But also probably, like... Of everyone, probably the, like, least painful. Yeah. Like, he just snaps his neck and he's gone. Yeah, like, that's true. Given the other way that people died, I think I would take that one. Yeah, feel that. It's, it's, like, quick and you don't... I mean, I don't know. I've never had my neck... I've never died by having my neck snapped. <laughs> but one would assume <laughs> that it would be better than, you know, being stabbed and bleeding to death or something. Yeah, I feel that. I feel yeah, that. Right? Like, I feel like you'd be... Bye. Yep. <laughs> Just like that. Um, But anyway, Allison wants more of a relationship with her grandmother. Yes. Much to the chagrin of her mother. Oh, absolutely. Who would, who is on that, is also like a great character in terms of the exploration of trauma. Mm -hmm. Because she's got this sort of like trauma from her childhood that is, and then is kind of like the secondary trauma from Lori. Mm Mm-hmm. But also then just, like, her own trauma of having a shitty childhood. Right. Right? So she... And she's... They really do a good job at, like, portraying that complicated relationship. Like, they Mm -hmm. really do. Of, like... Karen, the daughter, would would really like to just walk away from her mother. Yeah. But she can't. And, like, whenever her mother's around... there's still this small part of her that wants to, like, fix her. Yes. And I believe, this is only implied, but I believe that Karen has become a psychologist. Yes. Right? Because yeah. she says, I... I mean, she just... She talks like a shrink. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, psychologist, social worker, some kind of therapist, right? She talks like a shrink. She, like, brings up specific, like, actual, you know, psychology terms, like cognitive mm-hmm. behavioral therapy. Right. And also, and she talks to Lori like a shrink. Yes. And she also mentioned something about rescheduling her last session of the day so she can go to the ceremony. Mm-hmm. So all of that leads me to believe that she like, you know. Which I could see happening. That would, that would make sense for me too. A lot of people go into psychology so they know how to, so they try to fix their families. Yep. And hopefully themselves. <laughs> In the process. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um... But yes, there is a ceremony 
because Allison has ma- made like uh, National Honor Society or something, and mm-hmm. it's like the the robing ceremony. Um, and she wants her grandmother to come, and her mother lies to her about whether or not she invited her. Yes, and she knows this because she called and invited her herself. Yep, and so she knows for a fact that her mother didn't call her. So I'm like, did you did you think that she wouldn't do that? Like, <laughs> right, you just like thought... she has her phone number. She's like almost grown, <laughs> like, like not a little kid. Uh, Allison has a boyfriend named Cameron. Who doesn't die? Then he did. No, he does. No, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. The other kid does. Yeah, you're right. The other I wonder kid. if, I wonder if Cameron pops back up, in Halloween Kills. Uh, right. Uh huh. Because he like might. he's a fairly major character for like part of this movie. I can't believe that there wasn't some sort of. She left him at the dance, and then that was it. That's the last time you saw him. Right, and like, their relationship was so like hot to cold real quick. Like they were good. He was meeting her family, mm-hmm. like, and was okay with it. He wasn't excited, but he was polite. You know, they got to when they got together, and it, right. especially experiencing the shit that he experienced with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then all of a sudden, he's kissing another girl at the party. I'm like. Well, he sure. got drunk. Yeah, sure. And but also, he got, I mean, but also, but also, they're teenagers. Yes. Right. Like, how many like hot to cold? I was just like, whoa. <laughs> yeah. No, it was. It was. It was intense. Yeah. There are tons of of visual references to earlier films in this film. Mm-hmm. Like, even the ones that they decided didn't exist. Right. They still incorporate in. Mm-hmm. Um. And one of the most noticeable ones, and I mean, they're strewn throughout, but one of the most noticeable ones for me is when Laurie goes to the school to visit Allison. Mm-hmm. And Allison's sitting in the classroom in that back corner. Yep. Where Laurie used to sit. Mm-hmm. Um, looks out the window and Laurie's standing across the street looking at her. Right. The same way that Michael looked in at Laurie. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> And she gives her the $3,000 and she's like, okay, I'll see you tonight. Right. And the, the girl is like, listen, just get over it. Yeah, like, if you, if, you could, if you could just get over this, we could all be a lot happier. Like, you could reconcile with my mom and, and like, just get over it. Right. I'm like, honey, that's not how, that's not how that's trouble not works. That's not how that works. Especially after 40 years of swimming in it. Right. Right, and like not coping with it properly. It's going to take a long time yeah. to wade out of that. Uh-huh. And speaking of uh, like references, I just mm-hmm. liked it. I, I just really liked it, so I wanted to bring it back. But we're I'm going way back into the film. That's right. Way back to the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, that in the, like the opening credits, mm-hmm. that it was the pumpkin again. Oh, yeah. But it was like, it was coming back to life. Right. It had like been rotted. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, they like reversed. Like they obviously like time lapsed a, a pumpkin rotting. and then, right. But then they reversed it. So mm-hmm. it like inflates almost. It's cool. Yeah. It I like really that well too. Done. <laughs> very, very well done. Very well done. Very cool. And like mm-hmm. all of the fonts and the colors and, and the music, of course, like it's all very, mm-hmm. not exactly the same, but like evocative of. Yes. It, it's a, it's, it is essentially like. Halloween 2.0 like it is it is a, an, an updated modernized version of right. music yes 
which this music, since I brought it up, since you brought it up. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be clear about who brought it up, Sean. <laughs> I mentally brought it up. You actually brought it up. <laughs> sure. I just read your mind. Yes. That works. You, you brought it up. Um, but, uh, but this music is just everything. It's phenomenal. Ugh. So good. It's so good. Um, which I mean, it was it was done part at least in part by John Carpenter, right? So, yeah. I mean, expect no less, right? Than perfection. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Obviously, a lot more um, sort of complex and sophisticated than like the original mm-hmm. score, just because it's not just John Carpenter on the piano, right? <laughs> but yeah, music is real cool. Mm-hmm. So after Lori goes to visit her granddaughter at school she goes to visit her daughter at her work and the daughter begrudgingly invites her to dinner to the dinner where they're going to meet Cameron after the ceremony oh did she? yeah (laughs) Katie my memory what the (laughs) fuck yeah because they're like because Allison doesn't believe that she invited her because she's late. Right. And she's like, no, I saw her in my office yesterday. And they're so where is she? And I'm like, I don't know. And then she shows up. Because I thought she was lying then too. I don't think so. I don't think she was. I just don't remember it happening. Because yeah. I think that's where she went after she went to the school. Gotcha. I could be wrong. Well, yeah, they don't, because they don't show it. Mm-hmm. But it's just like in this conversation. And I get the feeling that... She was telling the truth that time. Yeah. Um, but first, before Lori goes to dinner, she has to go watch them transfer Michael. Yes. And she's drinking. Mm-hmm. Which she was supposed to have quit. But she sure didn't. But she sure didn't. He's got a little, like, airplane bottle. Mm-hmm. Throws that right back. And... She hallucinates that she sees Michael right outside her car window. Yes. And she has the reaction you would expect. She just screams alone in her car. Yep. Very healthy. Very, very healthy. Everything's fine. Um, And then she shows up to dinner. Drunk and shaken. Mm -hmm. Which goes about as well as you would expect. Yeah. Yeah, that's just a whole... Yeah. When she like just like picks up raised wine and starts drinking it. Yep. <laughs> and like Karen is like, Mom, you were supposed to have stopped drinking. Or I thought you stopped drinking. And Ray's like, Hey, that's mine. Right. <laughs> like not focused on not focused on the important part, which is that like this al- this recovering alcoholic is drinking. Nope. But just like, hey, she stole my wine. <laughs> which I'm like, I get it. I mean like I guess it depends on your your, you know, pers- perspective of what the important part is. Right. <laughs> He's like, she's not my mother. <laughs> that is very much his attitude. Yeah. He's like, she's not. <laughs> not. Not my mother. Not your problem. Like, specifically says to Karen, like, it's not your job to fix her. Which is true. Yeah. It's not. Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. But, like, he's, he is very much, like, in the camp of, like, let's just keep her at arm's length as much as possible. Yep. Which is understandable. Mm-hmm. Um. 
Allison gets upset, runs after her, talks her down. They send her home. And Karen explains to Allison that the reason, the real reason, that she is estranged from her mother and the real reason that she was taken away by the state mm-hmm. is because Lori was training her in this survivalist mode right. for her entire life. Like that she learned how to shoot a gun at eight, right? And she like could, you know, keep snares at nine and yada yada. And, mm-hmm. you know, she put her through all these drills in like this crazy, you know, contraption filled basement. Right. Which becomes very important later in the film. Yeah, because she said that she had nightmares about that basement. Mm-hmm. Which is fair. <laughs> As you would. And then we cut to, of course, mm-hmm. the bus that was carrying Michael Myers in a ditch. Yep. <laughs> but first we but first we witness a conversation which is just absolutely hilarious. <laughs> yes, between a father and a, what, like, nine-year-old kid? Maybe. Maybe 12 at the yeah. late, at the oldest. Yeah. I guess his voice was starting to change. It's not a little like, bit. So, yeah. yeah. Well, and he gets in the car and he tries to drive it. Oh, yeah. Which I feel like is more something that a young teenager would do. Yeah. Whereas one as young as nine might just try to run. Yeah. Or try to like hide in the car. But like he actually started the car like he was going to drive away. Yeah, that's true. Which like leads me to believe that, you know, they're kind of like country that maybe he would have been that maybe he would have been like allowed to drive around the farm or something but yeah the kid's like the kid is like very like trying to very delicately tell his father that he's not happy about being on this hunting trip Mm -hmm. and he's like i really do love hunting with you dad like i do i love it but like i'm missing dance class (laughs) and it's like clear that the dad is taking him hunting so he's not so he specifically does not go to dance class right right like it's one of those things where he's like trying to you know he's trying to like man the queer out of him kind of yeah, like which like, like there's no indication that this kid is queer except that he likes dance class right he's like dancing is just what i'm into right now and like i don't want to miss it and folks hunters can be gay too <laughs> right there's a lot of sex that happens in woods right let me tell you well no because it reminds me there's an episode of the simpsons there's an episode of the simpsons where uh they meet a man named john Mm -hmm. and he befriends the whole family and he is voiced by john waters and he's very clearly like like visually based on john waters as well and he's super super gay Mm -hmm. and Bart really, really likes this guy. And so Homer starts to worry that Bart is gay. Right. So he takes him hunting at Moe's suggestion. And a whole bunch of, a whole bunch of crazy shit happens. But while they're going on the hunting trip, like all four of them in the car, it's like, I think like Moe and, and Barney or Carl, one of the, you know, one of the other guys, like mm-hmm. one of their other friends. And then Homer <laughs> and Bart's like, I don't know, a bunch of guys alone out in the woods. Seems kind of gay. <laughs> and they're all like, fuck. <laughs> He's like, shouldn't play into harmful stereotypes, boy. <laughs> it's a great episode. I, I would, I'll, I'll figure out which, like what the actual episode is called. 
and like have you watch it because it's hilarious. Like, I need to see it. He, Homer goes to a steel mill. <laughs> like that's his first attempt. He takes Bart to a steel mill. <laughs> they start singing village people songs. I or remember it's this episode. Men, maybe. I remember this episode. Men. Yes. yes. <laughs> and then they're all like. Um, and he goes, the entire steel mill is gay. And Moe's like, Homer, where have you been? The entire steel industry is gay. <laughs> it's like, what? <laughs> Why? <laughs> I do remember that episode. I have only seen, I think I've only seen bits and pieces of it. And I probably saw it when it originally aired or something like that. Yeah, right. Like it's like, been a really a long, long time. time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I do remember that part specifically. Because <laughs> it was funny as shit. It's hilarious. <laughs> but yes. But anyway, <laughs> their hunting trip is interrupted by... You know, seeing this crash bus. And they're like, oh no, we must go help. So the father gets out of the car and he doesn't come back. <laughs> yeah. You are to assume that he has been killed by Michael Myers. Mm-hmm. The boy gets out of the car. Walks up to it. Has a gun. Right? Because they're going hunting. <laughs> so he has a gun. Right. Walks up to the bus. Sees the guard bloodied and half dead on the lawn next to the bus mm-hmm. and he's saying run run get out of here right and of course but the boy's like my dad like right. where did my dad go i have to find my dad mm-hmm. so he gets on the bus and proceeds to shoot dr sartan right because <laughs> he because this man like he pops out he pops out of fucking nowhere and screams don't shoot yeah no it's like you're gonna yeah you're 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 staring down a 12 year old with a gun yeah. you don't think that kid's a little jumpy yeah hi but anyway, so, everyone else is dead. Right. Or has escaped. Mm-hmm. Right? I love it when they actually go through, like, where they found the others. Because <laughs> yeah. like, the others aren't the level of danger that Michael Myers is. So they're mm-hmm. like, there were three of them just, like, holding hands in the middle of a field. Like, they yeah, just they were didn't... chasing chasing butterflies. Yeah, they just didn't know where else to go. Like, right. they had been institutionalized for so long that they were like, oh, okay. <laughs> like, two of them were at a library. Like, <laughs> like yeah, that's fine. And That's like, fine. <laughs> there was one that they couldn't find, and that was Brown. Um, so he shoots Dr. Sartan, and then he's like, oh, shit, and he runs away. Yeah. <laughs> Goes back to the car, tries to start it. Michael's in the car. Yep. Uh, and Michael strangles him mm-hmm. and steals the car. Right. Or the truck or whatever. And he, of course, goes straight to the cemetery where his sister is buried. Yep. And who does he find there but our podcasting friends? I mean, because why wouldn't they be there? Of course, because they have to see the grave. Right. <laughs> and the the... The caretaker has the same sort of like, you know, slightly exasperated attitude about all of this that the caretaker in the original has. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like when he's talking about. And because, <laughs> like, when they go in the original, because originally he, in the original, he steals her tombstone and ends up putting it on the bed when he kills Linda. Mm hmm. Um, and I'm sure that was his goal again was to steal the tombstone but then he sees them there and he's like that motherfucker has my mask uh-huh 
which is why you really should not have shown him the fucking mask. Yeah, you fucked up there, sir. So he follows them to a gas station mm-hmm. where he finds a mechanic, which is convenient for him because, you know, he likes to wear coveralls. So he kills him, takes his coveralls. Um, first he attacks uh, Dana, the woman. Yep. In the bathroom. Mm-hmm. She screams. Aaron comes in to help her. Is utterly ineffective in doing so. Not shockingly so. Right. And they end up uh, both being killed. Mm-hmm. Right. It is revealed at some point during the scene that he has also killed the gas station attendant. Yes. By, like, ripping his face in half. Yeah. And, like, his jaw is down here. Uh-huh. It is not where it's supposed to be. Which is where he got the teeth. They just kind of oh, dumped. Yeah. You're like, that's a scary. That's fucking yeah. scary. Like, yeah. that's, you know, not not much bothers me. <laughs> that was, I was like, what But, like, when he just starts her? dropping teeth on the floor, I'm like, holy fuck, what is he doing? Why are he going to get out? Why, <laughs> why, why does, does he, he have, have teeth? teeth? <laughs> <laughs> like, sir. <laughs> sir. Unnecessary. <laughs> You're already at a 10. You took it to an 11. <laughs> Need you bring it back down. Maybe do it. Pull back a little bit. <laughs> we we are 20 minutes into this movie. <laughs> um, but then, of course, he goes to their car. Mm-hmm. And he gets his mask. And so now he is fully... He is the shape again. Yes. Takes their car. Drives to Haddonfield. Mm-hmm. Lori hears about the bus crash on the news and is like of course this happened goes to karen's house (laughs) and sneaks in yeah (laughs) to prove a point to karen that like she's not being careful enough she Uh breaks into her own daughter's house yep i mean tries to warn them Mm -hmm. and is like he's here and they're like they think that she's crazy right or drunk or both or both right like that this is just another outburst like she has you know periodically and they send her on her way yep because remember she never actually tells them that he is being transferred. She just says that she saw him. Yes. So they think it's just a hallucination, which it was, but like it was a hallucination as she was watching them take him away. Right. Um, so they don't even know about the, like what the bus is because mm-hmm. she never actually got a chance to properly explain what was going on. No. Um, and why would they know? Right. Like they don't follow this as obsessively as she does. No. Um, and there's also, uh, well, I don't know if we're done with that scene. Are we done with that scene? Where? That you were just talking about? Is it everything in that scene? Yeah, they, they, you know, they tell her she, they tell her, you know, that she's crazy and that she has to leave. Well, because then there's also, um, a scene with, um, Deputy Frank Hawkins. Yes. Who, um... Who was the who was the deputy that arrested Michael in 1978? Right. right. According to this, right. Obviously, we never see it in the original. Right. Absolutely. Um, but um, he is talking to Chef Sheriff Chef Jesus. Chef you could Parker. Be a chef, we don't know. I mean, <laughs> he has a hat. It just happens to be cowboy. Um, <laughs> yes. Yes. Hawkins is talking to Barker about um, about how dangerous it is that Michael escaped, and. Uh, and basically, Barker's response is like, what do we do? Cancel Halloween? And then laughs. laughs. I'm like, 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Cancel fucking Halloween. Everyone stay inside. Yeah. There is a murderer on the fucking loose. Right. How hard is that? I just said it. Could you say it? I think you could say it. I'm just saying. You can say it with more authority because you're the chair. <laughs> um, so they just move on from that, basically. Right. They're like, yeah, not going to happen. Oh, and we should say that Dr. Sartan has, has survived, but he's oh, unconscious. Yes. This is <laughs> very important. That man is alive. Yep. He comes back around later. In a utterly absurd way. But yep. we'll get there. <laughs> That's the part I'm talking about when I say jump the shark, by the way. Oh, yeah. I'm like, what? Yeah. <laughs> what is happening? Like, sir, no. Um, so, and if I'm not mistaken, this is kind of at the point. Isn't this the point where um, Hawkins and Sar- and Sartan? What is his name? Sartan. Sartan. Um, is this the point where, where Hawkins and Sartan like end up kind of being into the same car together? Or is that later? That's a little bit later. Okay. Um, so Sartan is still in the hospital. The sheriff and the deputy get called to the scene of the murders at the gas station. Yes. And they're like, shit. Uh-huh. <laughs> I believe his words are, son of a bitch. Uh-huh. <laughs> because yes. like, it's clear that Michael is loose. He has survived and he's gone right back to his, his, his old ways. Uh-huh. Right down to the coveralls. So they decide that they're going to do a canvas. Meanwhile, Lori is listening on her police scanner mm-hmm. and doing a canvas as well. Right. Right. Michael has gotten to Haddonfield. Starts just like walking into houses and killing people. Yeah, it's fine. Which is actually like my... I think it might be the best sequence in the movie. Yeah, it's it's really well done. It's so good. Like, just the camera following him into the first house, and then, mm-hmm. like, you don't see him kill the first woman. Mm-hmm. And then you only see him kill the second woman through the window. Yep. Right? Like, just the... Just the sophistication of those shots, and, like, the, the sort of, like, cool way that... And I was saying, like, I don't know if there's any no matter how small a town in America where like it would be that easy to get into people's houses anymore and then I, people wouldn't lock their doors. But I don't know. I don't live in a small town. So if you do and you know people who still don't lock their doors, A, tell them to lock their fucking doors. <laughs> in the words of Georgia Hardstark, <laughs> lock your fucking door. But also let us know. Scream at us because I, I would love to know, honestly, if there's like some place where he could still just do that. Right. Um, and don't worry, we won't share it on the podcast so people just know, hey, I'm going to go to this town so I can break in all these houses. Because right, 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 right. they leave the doors we just, you can just You can just say yes. You don't have to tell us where. <laughs> you can just say my town does this. Yes. You don't have to tell us what the town is. <laughs> Let us know if you're in the United States, though. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Right. Because I do know, and if I'm not mistaken, it was, uh, this is a throwback. But, a- uh, like, major throwback. But it is... If I'm not mistaken, this was in the documentary Bowling from Col- for Columbine. Uh-huh. That Michael Moore... Mm-hmm. I might be mixing two things together. So don't quote me, folks, because I might be doing exactly just that. Because I like to do that. But um, but they ended up going on a... Do- like, when they were doing a documentary, they went to houses in, in Canada. Mm. And people... A lot of people there don't lock their doors. So they're, they're like, canvassing... Michael is also canvassing in a way because he's just going randomly door to door. Yeah. Like, it's just like, like, hey, this house is open. 
It's funny because you have this juxtaposition between, well, okay, slight backtrack. That's what the Night Stalker did. Yeah. Richard Ramirez just like went up to houses mm-hmm. and if the door was locked, unlocked, he went in and killed and like fucked the person up in some way, shape or form. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there is precedent mm-hmm. for this. Um, also, I think the, I forget his name, but the, the vampire guy. It was another guy in California. He was like in a full on psychotic break. He was schizophrenic and he was like bathing in people's blood, but he fully had no idea what he was doing. Yeah. But he was, it was the same where like, he just kept like going up to houses and trying. And if the door was locked, he just kind of like banged himself against the door. Like he was trying to walk through it anyway and then walked away. Mm -hmm. What's that guy's name? I can't remember, but I know who you're talking about. It doesn't matter. Um, But yeah, there is precedent for this. Mm Mm-hmm. But I love the juxtaposition as well. Another reason I love the sequence is I love the juxtaposition between Michael and the trick-or-treaters. Yeah. Because, like, they're going door-to-door. And he's going (laughs) door-to-door. For very different reasons. They're going for treats. He's going for tricks. Ah, yeah. (laughs) But that's the thing. That was part of the brilliance of the original design of the character Mm -hmm. way back in 1978 is that they created a scenario in which this guy could walk around this town... And no one was particularly alarmed mm-hmm. because it was Halloween. Right. And of course he was wearing a mask. It's Halloween. Right. Um, and it happens again. Like these little kids run into him and they're like slightly perturbed by the mask, but they're like, oh, sorry, mister. Like <laughs> we'll leave now. Yeah. <laughs> Let me just move on. <laughs> Let me just move on. It's a creepy ass mask. And then he like, you know, starts his little killing spree and mm-hmm. gets himself a knife and ends up at the house of allison's best friend vicky mm-hmm. or not the house not her house but the house that she's babysitting in yes interesting side note as well there is a baby in the first house mm-hmm. that he visits where he kills the woman with the hammer however that woman doesn't really look young enough to have a baby mm-hmm. so i think she's a babysitter that would make sense because it's halloween right Right? People are out partying. Mm-hmm. And then Vicky's also babysitting. Right. So, like, he's still killing babysitters. I don't know about the woman in the middle, but he's still, like... Yeah, I think she just might have been nearby. <laughs> right. He was just in the next house. Yeah. Um, but he's still killing babysitters, mm-hmm. specifically. Which is interesting. Well, I mean, his sister was babysitting him. Like, it does go back to his, like, right. initial pathology. And still a woman, so, you know. Right, yeah. Yeah. Um, Vicky's babysitting for the night because... Uh, her little charge, Julian, who is a great character. Oh my Love God. Love this kid. Probably, probably my favorite in the movie. I mean, he's great. <laughs> Small role, but impactful. Great. Yes. Um, his parents are at a party. And of course, just as Linda did, right? Or no, sorry. Linda wasn't babysitting. Just as Annie did. Mm-hmm. Vicky has now invited everybody over. Right. To party at this house. Um, Cameron and Allison are at the Halloween dance, which Vicky could not attend because she had a babysit. Right. So they're at the Halloween dance. They're dressed as Bonnie and Clyde, but it's gender swapped. And mm-hmm. it might be the cutest idea for a Halloween costume I've ever seen for a straight couple. Yep. Like. Love it. A fucking plus, kids. Mm-hmm. A plus. That's how you do it. Uh-huh. <laughs> and it's great. And it was like great. It, it's great from the perspective of the story too because then that puts her in a suit 
mm-hmm. instead of in a dress and heels. Right. Which like, you know, there's always that like, how is she running in a, in a dress and heels? Right. Where like, mm-hmm. no, she's not. She's in pants and like, you know, loafers. Yeah. Yeah. So like much easier for her to run. Mm-hmm. No, it was genius. Um, and they're just so cute. Uh, they're so cute, but it does not go well. No. Uh, he kisses another girl. Mm-hmm. Tries to convince her that the girl was just whispering in his ear. Yeah. Which, like, dude, come on, just own up right. at this point. Uh, she finds a flask on him, mm-hmm. which she doesn't approve of. Right. Um. And they're fighting. And the most important moment here is that her phone rings, mm-hmm. and he gets mad. That she's, you know, going to take the call. And so he throws her phone into what we think might be pudding. Maybe it's... I, I don't know. Could be yeah. hummus, maybe? Maybe it's uh, maybe it's nacho cheese. They maybe have chips and cheese. Oh, yeah, yeah. Just a big old... That's like a fucking vat of yeah. nacho cheese. If that is true. <laughs> of course, it's a hell... It's a shit ton of pudding, too. I'm like... Uh, why isn't that just a punch bowl? Why is it that? Why is it that viscous? I don't understand what that substance is. Yeah, I don't know why they didn't just do punch, but <laughs> like, just, like have a punch bowl and have him throw it in that. It I mean, still would have been ruined, right? I mean, I guess to be fair though, iPhones are because uh, it was an iPhone. Well, iPhones are partially waterproof, so. <laughs> but at the same point, the pudding's not going to ruin it either. Just wipe it off and call it a day. Right. It's more that she didn't want to like put her hand in the pudding to retrieve the phone. Right. So anyway, she she says fuck him mm-hmm. as well. She should have. Because, like, let's be clear. Girls, ladies, men, anyone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you're with somebody and they start breaking your shit, leave. Yeah. That is a red flag the size of Kansas. Mm-hmm. Walk out the door. Gotta go. And she does. Yeah. I'm like, good girl. I'm like, good girl. She yeah. walks right out the door. She is followed by uh, their little friend, Oscar. Mm-hmm. Who is kind of like the, you know, Cameron's like, a, they're all kind of alt kids. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. But Cameron is like a pretty boy. Right. And Oscar is much more like nerdy, mm-hmm. you know, a little bit on the chubbier side, a little bit more awkward, like more like your normal teenager. Mm-hmm. And so she leaves. She leaves and she no longer has her phone. Right. Which, I mean, I would have taken the phone at least. I would have grabbed it. <laughs> like, I would think that she was going to be in a lot of trouble when she got home without her phone. It, yeah. Kill her or not. Yeah. Um, yeah, they end up leaving and uh, they're going to um, the house that her friend is at. Right. That is the plan. Mm-hmm. That they're going to go there mm-hmm. and just like fuck Cameron and they're going to go there anyway. Right. Um, however, meanwhile, Michael has gotten to that house where Vicky is. Yep. And has decided to have some fun. Oh, yeah. Um, so Vicky's boyfriend shows up, who is adorable. I love that character, too. Yeah. He's so cute with he his little cute. pumpkin with the hard eyes. He's like, his eyes are hearts. <laughs> oh, so they're there. They're making out on the couch, as they do. Mm-hmm. She's put the kid to bed. The kid screams because he sees somebody outside his bedroom door. Mm-hmm. 
And so the girl is like, you know, oh, it's fine. I'm going to go check. I'm going to check everywhere. She, you know, tries to scare the kid. Or she does scare the kid by, yeah. like, pretending that she's actually talking to somebody who's right. in his room. Um, kid almost falls down the stairs. He's so scared. Bad bad babysitting tactics. Like, make sure. If you're going to if you're gonna trick the kid, get him away from the stairs first. <laughs> or at least put your boyfriend behind him to catch him. Right. Um, so she, like, tucks him back into bed. And he's like, oh, could you close the closet door? She opens the closet. And she goes to the closet door. It opens and Michael's in there. So clearly she did not check the room all that thoroughly the first time. Nope, she sure didn't. <laughs> Meanwhile, like, her boyfriend's wandered off because he's high as fuck. So he's, like, wandered off to, like, the garage to play with a motorcycle. Yeah, which I'm like, sir, <laughs> don't, touch the, don't touch the motorcycle. Because he ends up, like, starting it. And then it fell over because he couldn't hold it up. Right. He couldn't hold it up. It starts to backfire. That's yeah. what happens first. It starts to backfire. He doesn't know how to deal with that. So he tries yep. to get off it and it falls over. Yep. He's also like running a motorized vehicle, like a gas powered motorized vehicle in an enclosed garage. Yep. Which is like a good way to like die. Yeah. That's how you, that's how you accidentally kill yourself. <laughs> that's sir. how you asphyxiate. Affix- asphyxiate? Yeah. Asphyxiate. <laughs> <laughs> but so Michael attacks Vicky. The kid runs away because the kid is smart. Yeah. He's like, I'll go get help. He's like, I'll go get help. Bye. <laughs> and then, As he's running out, he's like, Dave, don't go, it, go up there. You'll get killed. Right. And Dave's like, fuck this. And he goes up there with a knife. And that's the last thing you see until you see Dave hanging from the wall. Yeah. Very much like Bob. It's like very much the way that he had like Bob staged. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also he put the sheet with the holes in it on Vicky. Which yeah. is the trick he played on Linda, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it's just, like, references all over the place. Right. So, for Michael, he's kind of, like, recreating that night. Yeah. Like, full stop. Mm-hmm. To the extent that he can. Um, And then he looks out the window. And he sees Lori. Mm-hmm. Because she has tracked him to this house. Right. And she goes to shoot him in the face, but unfortunately it's a mirror. So... It just alerts him to her presence. Yep. She does get a shot off, though. She shoots him, like, in the arm. Like, she grazes him at that point. When he walks out of the house and she comes around the house, she does shoot. Oh, The second time she shoots, she does graze him. You see, like, the blood spurt. Mm -hmm. But then he just keeps going because he's Michael Myers. Right. Um, Deputy Hawkins has also arrived. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. He's in the house. He is in the house. When she shoots, he's in the house. So he's like, fuck. (laughs) Then she almost shoots him. Yep. <laughs> and he's like, Lori, what are you doing here? And she's like, he's here, Frank. And he's like, I know. And like, does not take away her gun. No. Does not send her away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, they just like, they're like, okay, we're going to take you to go get your daughter now. Like, doesn't right. arrest her for like well, shooting. At this point, she's a better shot than he is. That's true. Because <laughs> he was actually like right in front of him. Michael was, like, walking down That's the true. stairs. That's true. He was, like, going down the stairs. He was, like, three feet away from him. Right. At one point. It was so funny. Like, is he just... I also love that visual because he's, like, you know, engrossed in the scene of the girl who's, like, dead in the chair, right, with the with the sheet over her. Mm-hmm. And, like, gunshot goes off. He, like, starts and looks back. And Michael just, like, dead ass walks by the door. Yep. Like, and it's yeah. just, like, such a great shot because, you are like, the camera's inside the bedroom. And so mm-hmm. you just see him walk by. And Hawkins is like, Michael! <laughs> it's like, no, not, he's probably not going to respond to you. And if he does, it's not going to respond well. Right, yeah. It's like, just shoot him. Yeah. Just shoot him. But he doesn't. Michael walks off. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And a few things happen here. The sheriff shows up with Dr. Sartan, who is now awake. Yes. Other officers take Lori to Karen's house. Yes. To pick them up. Yep. And take them to Lori's compound because they feel like that's the safest place for them to be. Because, I mean. Because it's. It like, is. It, right. I mean, it's like, you know, secure it's, as fuck. It's the Fort Knox of houses. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it is. And of course, they're going to like have cops stationed outside. Right. Which, you know. Because you know, that helps. Those two. Yeah. Oh. Mean an unfortunate <laughs> Um, but they get there. Oh, and notably, the sheriff won't let Hawkins send Sartan back to Smith's Grove. He's like, oh, right. no, no, we need to keep him here with us because he knows Michael better than anybody. Right. Oh. So... <laughs> Lori and the cops get to Karen's house and she's like, where's Allison? Mm-hmm. And she's like, she's at the dance. And they're like, no, we evacuated the dance. We sent everybody home. So they're like, oh shit. But that happened after Allison had left the dance right. with Oscar. Mm-hmm. So they're still walking. They take a shortcut through somebody's yard because of course they do. Right. No, of course. Uh, she's of course complaining about Cameron. And so Oscar pulls the same gross friend zone bullshit Ugh. It's a trope. That is like... But she doesn't fall for it. That's what's great. It's like, again, I do love this character because, again, she's like, no. That is bullshit. Oh, yeah. And she walks away. She's great. Yeah. Mm -hmm. She's like, "Uh uh-uh. She's like, just because we're not together doesn't mean that I want you. Right. It's like, you're not... You weren't, like, my backup. Right. You're my friend. Or you're supposed to be. Right. Like, and just because I'm, like, opening up to you doesn't mean that we're gonna fuck. No. Go away. Not how this works. <laughs> Unfortunately, also in this yard is Michael. So uh-huh. Oscar then gets it and gets hung. Michael's very into hanging people from things yeah. in this one. Yeah, he is. Mm-hmm. Um, in ways that I'm not sure would work. <laughs> yeah. Like, he has the kid hung off the gate, Oscar, by like his lip, kind of. Like, it's going through his kind of jaw. Yeah, it's going underneath his jaw through his mouth. Right. But, like, then out of his mouth. So yes. I feel like that's not a very strong... Yeah, you'd think that he would... Like, I feel like hanging. He's, he, and it. his whole weight is hanging in that. Like, I yeah. feel like your jaw would rip off and you'd fall. Yeah. I mean, he was dead already. Mm-hmm. Like, he killed him and then he hung him up there. Yep. So you'd think. But... I don't know. Again, not an expert on subjects. And, I mean, the visual effects wouldn't be as good. I mean... Well, it actually might be a pretty cool thing. I mean, the kid's <laughs> jaw peeling off as he fell down probably yeah. would have been a pretty cool effect. Um, Allison hears him screaming, thinks that she's bullshitting her, but it's like, eh, I better go check anyway. He seems like, he sounds really sincerely upset. Mm-hmm. Gets back, sees Michael, and is like, ah! <laughs> Runs Bolts. Up. Bolts. <laughs> Which is the correct response. Yes. Run the fuck away. Well, because she knows exactly who it is. Right. Like, that's the thing. Like, she mm-hmm. knows who that is. Yeah. She, like, it's part of her family's history. Mm-hmm. She's like, oh, fuck. It's him. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then... She's out. So she ends up getting to a neighbor's house who thankfully does open the door for her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Unlike in the original. Right. Um, so they end up like helping her and, you know, comforting her and they call the police. The police come to get her. Right. To take her back to 
Lori's right. house. And specifically, it is Hawkins and Sartan who show up to get her. Yep. And of course, everybody, like, because she's, like, hysterical in the street. And so, like, everyone is, like, you know, gathered around to sort of look at her. <laughs> Sartan's like, I'm a doctor. Go inside. Lock your doors. <laughs> Why does it matter that you're a doctor? Like, what is this? A plus B does not equal C here. I mean. <laughs> These two things do not correlate. Hi. There's a police officer standing right next to you. Mm-hmm. They should be the one that's saying that. But. We digress. <laughs> he's not wrong <laughs> right but... he's not wrong but it's just and eventually hawkins is like get in the house and lock the goddamn doors right which like you know it's much more effective than what's our what's our says mm-hmm. so they're driving along uh laurie and ray and karen have made it to her compound mm-hmm. they're hanging out there preparing in right. case he shows up She's handing out guns left and right. <laughs> you get a gun. You get a gun. You get a gun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, the other three are driving along in the car and they see Michael on the side of the road. And mm-hmm. Hawkins is like, I'm taking this motherfucker out. Yeah. Fair. And Sartan is like, no, don't do that. And Hawkins is like, fuck you. <laughs> and he's like, no, don't hit him. And he hits him with the car. Michael goes flying. Mm-hmm. But of course it's Mike Myers. So this is this is the scene that makes me go, like, uh. we have jumped this <laughs> we have jumped the shark. <laughs> like I'm fine with everything until this. It's like this is just we have crossed into the realm of what the fuckness. Yep. So they do have this conversation earlier about how fascinated Sartan is with Michael and how he wants to know how he feels and what drives him. Right. Because like, you got to think, too, like, he's been studying him. Like, he's literally, he took over for... Loomis. Loomis. Right. So, um, it's, and it's probably, I mean, Loomis was pretty old in the original. So, like, it was probably, like, you know, at least 20, 25 years since he retired or died or whatever he did that this guy took over. Right. So this is this has been, like, probably his main His focus. life's work. Yeah. And he's like, this is all that I've worked for, all I've lived for. I need to study him more. Right. And he's he's losing it. <laughs> Clearly. Yeah. Because when they get out of the car and Hawkins is going to like double tap this bitch and uh-huh. shoot his and shoot him in the head. Mm-hmm. Uh Sardan pulls out a penknife, like an actual fucking penknife. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, who carries a penknife? That doctor does. And kills him. He yep. kills he kills he kills the deputy. Puts on Michael's mask. Puts on Michael's masks. Ma- masks. All of them. S- singular mask. <laughs> Puts on his mask. Drags Michael to the back seat of the the car, mm-hmm. which is where Allison is. Yep. And puts him in there. And puts him in there with her. And and then just takes off the mask. He was like, I just wanted to wear this for like 30 seconds just to know. Yeah. And I'm like, okay. Yeah, he like once he once he's like stabbed the deputy to death, he's like, so that's what it feels like. And it's like, dude, that's not like it's not gonna hold up in yeah. like your fucking like journal article. Like this is not how this works. No, you fucking lost it, my friend. You've lost it, my friend. And like Michael is not your friend. Like that's the other thing, is that he thinks that Michael is going to he thinks that Michael is going to respond to him better right. because he saved his life. Mm-hmm. Michael gives no fucks. No. About like, whether or not you saved his life. No, he doesn't care about anyone. He doesn't, no. 
technically except for Lori, in a, in a weird psychotic way where he needs to kill her. Right. That's it. She is end goal. Although there is, so there is a fan theory that was posted on Reddit mm-hmm. that Michael's goal that night was to recreate his killing spree, mm-hmm. but not necessarily to specifically seek out Lori Strode, but that he was led to her. I mean, he was. And he's just going, he just kills whoever's in front of him and it doesn't matter that it's Lori. Yeah. That's fair. But, like, he was led directly to her. Yeah. Both with, like, the way that people were talking to him mm-hmm. and the way that people kept associating them and, like, speaking literally was led to her. Yeah. Because yeah. he was chasing, he was, like, trying to follow Allison's path through the woods. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, they're driving along and <laughs> poor Allison. <laughs> I would argue that this is worse than anything that Lori went through <laughs> Yeah. Because, like, she is next to a man that she knows is, like, a an uncontrollable killer. Yep. Like, basically just, like, Sorry. a rabid animal in human form. Yeah. I mean, she, she saw what he did to her friend. Mm-hmm. She knows what he did to her grandmother's friends. Right. He knows, she knows that he's, from, like, talking to the sher- to the deputy and the doctor, knows that he's killed, like, six other people so far. Yep. Knows now that he has killed her best friend and her boyfriend. Mm-hmm. And just witnessed the guy who's supposed to be protecting her straight up murder somebody for no apparent reason either. Yep. That's fine. That's great. Everything's fine. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. Put that guy. Right next to me. Locked in the backseat. Come here, Michael. Let's snuggle. <laughs> no. Like, new, new. New. <laughs> and he also, like, you're right. He wears the mask for 30 seconds. Like, he wears the mask to drag Michael to the... Car and then, like, takes it off and puts it back on Michael. Yeah. Or I guess he doesn't put it back on. No, he just, like, throws it on him because he thinks he's... Because he's unconscious. Right. Um. So, you know, he doesn't think that he needs it. Yet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, because where he is taking him is directly to Laurie Strode. Yep. Because he wants to see how he'll react when he sees her. Specifically in a, quote-unquote, uncontained environment. Right. Yeah. Which is... Hilarious, because they hadn't ever seen each other in a contained environment. <laughs> like, what? What? Um, and again, this kid, this kid is smart. Yeah, she is. Because he's like, I'm hoping, because the doctor says, I'm hoping he'll speak to me now. Mm-hmm. He hasn't spoken, you know. They keep saying in 40 years, but honestly, he hasn't spoken since 1963. Right. Because Loomis says in the first movie that he hasn't spoken a word since they brought him in after mm-hmm. he killed Judith. Right. So he hasn't spoken since 1963 and he's hoping that like this whole experience will make him speak to him. Mm-hmm. And the girl's like, he spoke to me. <laughs> and he's like, oh, what'd he say? And she goes, pull over and let me out and I'll tell you what he said. Yeah. And so they argue back and forth and he does eventually because he's so obsessed. Mm-hmm. Like he has to know this is a trick. Right. But he can't let it go. Because... What if it's not? Right, exactly. What if she does actually have a piece of information for him? Mm-hmm. That could give him insight into this man's mind. Right. So he does pull over and he's like, what was the one word? And she doesn't even have a chance to answer him because he's like, was it the sister's name? Was it Judith? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which wakes Michael up. Yep. And he's like, oh, Michael. <laughs> like, they're going to be buddies. And then Michael proceeds to kill him. Yep. 
<laughs> which is hilarious. Like, the best part of this scene is, like, the only word that Allison says is fuck. <laughs> He's like, what was the one word? Was it Judith? And then he wakes up and she's like, fuck. It's like, oh, he said fuck. Right. That was the one word. I mean, fair. Fair. Fair enough. Um. But so she manages in the commotion to escape the car because Michael drags him out of the car so that he can stomp in his head and smash it like a pumpkin. Yeah. It was. Which is quite the effect. Yeah. That was. Yeah. Graphic. Yeah. Huh? That was that was the most graphic kill I think in that in the movie. Yeah, I think that's the one the one with I think that that one gets me in the teeth. Like those are the two things where yeah. I'm like, oh god. Um, and Allison, you know, takes off in the woods mm-hmm. towards where she knows her grandmother lives. Right. Michael gets in the car. Does he get in the car? So there's the two police officers mm-hmm. that are at the house. And they end up seeing, so like when... Oh, that's right. Because they're almost, they're they're almost to Laurie Stewart's house. Right. They're right up the road. And the two officers that are sitting in the car at the house are like, Oh, well, right. That's this, weird. The whole, this is the whole Bon Me conversation. Yes. Yeah. They have a whole conversation about Bon Me. And then he ended up having, the one officer had... Um, a brownie? Uh, had the Well, the one officer had a brownie. The other officer that, that gets the Bon Me specifically had a banh mi made that's a peanut butter and jelly sandwich because the other officer has the diet of a five-year-old. Um, <laughs> it's a great conversation. It is a really great conversation. Very well done. Um, so the the officers, though, they're like, well, that's weird. And he's like, isn't that Hawkins' car? So they call out to him on the radio. No one answers because right. <laughs> murder's happening right then. Um, and they end up driving up to the car and Michael has snuck around to their car right. while they're looking at that's right hawkins car right so he takes their car exactly back up to the house not yet though right because first he kills them <laughs> right he kills them and he fucking hollows one of their heads out yep and i don't know how he does this he hollowed it out and then shoved a flash fu- a flashlight into its neck right so it looks like a jack-o'-lantern uh-huh I'm like, sir. Which is a great effect, but like, how does he do all this shit so quickly? I know, I'm like, man, all you like, got he is He doesn't a move that fast. Like, the whole thing about Michael Myers is that he doesn't move that fast. He never runs. No. He's like, he's walking. very methodical. Mm-hmm. So how does he stage all these scenes? Like, how did he manage to get the girl and the boy in the house all set up before Hawkins showed up? Right. He was right outside. <laughs> anyway. No idea. Again. Again, applying a logic to the, a slasher that we shouldn't be. Yeah. Um... So now it's time for the final showdown. Mm-hmm. And quite the showdown it is. Oh, yeah. Like, I will say that this 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 last sequence is, is pretty great. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ray, unfortunately, meets his end before it really even starts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, because he goes out to meet the cop car, thinking that the police have found his daughter. Which is actually not untrue. The police did find his daughter, but then other stuff happened. Right. <laughs> He sees the jack-o'-lantern flashlight man mm-hmm. and is like, well, fuck. And then Michael shows up and, and just like snaps his neck. Yep. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Lori sees this ha- happen and is like, you know, Karen get downstairs to their like panic room mm-hmm. the, that she had nightmares about as a child, right? Right. That is like this crazy mechanism where it's like a like a garage door opener switch that like moves the entire kitchen island. Right. I'm like, that's quite a trap door. That is. Uh, that is clever. 
it is it is very clever. No one would suspect that to happen. Right. But also, man, where did you get all this money to do all of these things? Right. Like the whole point <laughs> is that she's the whole point is that her entire life has been fucked by this, right? That right. She's a drunk. She got her kid taken away. She's basically lived as a recluse for the last forty years. How does she have all this money? The only thing that I can think of is that she probably bought that house because it is kind of run down for really cheap. That is true. That is true. And she also, the thing that I thought of too is that she probably sued the fuck out of a whole bunch of people. Yeah. After what happened in 78. I mean, which fair. Right. Like the city, the hospital that let him escape. Like she might have had significant settlements yeah. that she could then like live off of for mm-hmm. a long time. Right. Um, so she goes down there. And Lori actually apologizes. Mm-hmm. She's like, you know, I'm sorry that I raised you the way that I did, which is like, or I shouldn't have raised you the way that I did, which is the first time that Lori has said that. Mm-hmm. Whenever it was brought up before this, she said that she was justified in doing so. Right. Um, but she's like, the least I can do is protect you now. Mm-hmm. So like, you stay here. I'm going to go get him. Oh, mind you, she's already blown half his hand off because he's like, right. he like grabbed her and she like got the shotgun in such a position that she could blow his hand off mm-hmm. and then he let her go and she ran. Right. Um, so she's stalking him through the house and you see the extent to which he is, um, or she has booby trapped his house, mm-hmm. right? She has like these metal doors on all of the rooms so that she can yes. trap him in any of them. Yeah. If he was in there. Well, and she knows that he's not in there. Right. So she's cutting off the amount of space that he could be hiding. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like once she clears a room, she puts down that metal gate and then he can't get in there. Right. So she's like, you know, yeah, she's making the house smaller, essentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, goes into a room full of mannequins, which is not at all terrifying. And... <laughs> Meanwhile, like Allison was outside and ran ran into like her her target practice field that is also full of mannequins. Yep. And like has a has like a full on meltdown and I don't blame her no. after the evening she's had. Yeah. I'm like, "Ma'am, you were you were just surrounded by these like half half bodies and shot off faces of these mannequins." Yeah, that's true cuz also terrifying. like she's been shooting them, so like they're like broken. Very scary. Um my thing is, I'm like, man, so, Lori, you have all these rooms all set up and everything, but then you happen to have a room upstairs that has all these mannequins in it? Like, explain. Because... <laughs> Why are they in there? Do you not have a shed? Well, the only thing I think of there is that she might have, like, she might have done some sort of, like, tactical training inside the house. I mean... With, like, the mannequins set up in different rooms. Fair. And then, like, that's just, like, an extra room where she puts them all. Right. Although it looks like it's her bedroom. Yeah. Um, but anyway, that's where Michael is with all the mannequins. Uh, a fight ensues and he throws it out the window, Mm -hmm. right? Which is like a direct reference to the end of the first movie. Right. Um, Allison has managed to make it to the house. She goes inside. She calls after them. Michael hears her and turns. And when he turns back, Laurie is gone. Right. And they played, like, I love, like, it's such a great little detail. They played the exact same little musical motif that they do Mm -hmm. in the first one when he's gone at the end. Love it. Um, But 
So she's gone. We don't know where she went. Mm-hmm. Uh, Karen has come out of the panic room to grab Allison and take her down there. Right. Right. And this is when, like, Michael ends up coming downstairs and he's trying to look for them. But obviously they're hiding in the panic room, so he doesn't know where they're at. If I'm not mistaken, this is when Karen ends up opening up the door again. Um, they have, I mean, uh, Karen and Allison have, like, a bonding moment a little bit. They, right. You know, they're, like, apologizing and whatnot. Um, but Karen ends up opening up the, the trap door again. Right. And is yelling out. Yes. Because she has... She sees in the gun safe mm-hmm. her, her gun from when she was a kid. Yes. It has her initials etched into it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So she grabs that. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, and then like calls out, like saying, I can't do this. Like, mommy, help me. Like right. acting all helpless. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as Michael ends up showing up at the top of those stairs, her face just turns. She's like, gotcha. gotcha. <laughs> and shoots him. <laughs> and I'm like, Yes. <laughs> And then, all of a sudden, Lori's behind him. Yes. Lori comes out of the shadows, and the way they lit her face was really good, because it made it look like the mask. Yep. Mm-hmm. Like, the the way that the temperature of the light... Yeah. And, like, just, you know, how pale her skin is, mm-hmm. like, made it look like the mask. Yep. And she goes, happy Halloween, Michael. <laughs> and attacks him with a knife. I don't know where her gun went. Oh, I guess he takes it away from her before he throws out the window. Yeah. So she has a knife. So she has a knife and they fight and she's got a cast iron skillet. <laughs> like what I love is she has weapons everywhere. Yeah. Like she has, she she's has, ready. she is armed to the teeth mm-hmm. and she ends up actually taking him down with a cast iron fucking skillet. Yep. That just happened to be on her stove. She was like, okay, this I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so they, uh, they knock him into the basement. Mm-hmm. Allison and Karen run out of the basement. He almost grabs Karen or he does grab Karen and he almost pulls her back in, but mm-hmm. Allison like grabs the knife and like cuts his hand so that he lets go. Right. Um, <laughs> they like pull this lever and these like fucking like medieval times fucking spikes, spikes. yeah <laughs> come through to like put bars over this trap door. Uh-huh. I'm like, who how how did you make this? How did you make it? How did you think of it? Right. 10 out of 10. But I mean, what? <laughs> well done. Yeah. But like also, what the fuck? Mm-hmm. Um, and then Lori turns on her like gas supply booby trap. Right. That is the whole house. Uh-huh. We, when we were watching it, we were like, why didn't she just burn the basement? Right. Like, why not just like concentrate all of that into the basement? If that's where he's going to be. But I guess at the same point. She doesn't know. And sure. if she's going to trap, maybe he she ends up trapping him in another room. Right, yeah. That's true. She has all of those rooms where she could have trapped him. Right. So I suppose that it, it would have had to be at, like the whole house. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like just this fucking pipe coming out of the floor with a heating In every room. In every single room. Right. Just an open pipe. Can yeah. Just release just the gas. Starts, just starts pumping gas into the mm-hmm. room. Um, and the heating element ends up turning on so it can ignite it. Right. Well, everything except the basement. The basement, she throws a road flare into. Yes. Because she wants to do it herself. Yep. Um, so you see this fire coming all the way up around, like, Michael's body as he's just, like, staring at them. Mm-hmm. And Lori immediately, like, collapses because she's, like, you know, very injured and, like, right. no spring chicken anymore. Right. I'm like, 
You fall out of a second story window, ma'am. I mean, she was what? She was like 17? Yeah. In the first one, so she's got to be like 57? Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> Bad day. Bad day for grandma. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, bad day for anyone. Right. But, like, right. especially. Uh, so they go outside. They flag down uh, a passerby who puts them in the back of his truck and is driving them to the hospital. Mm-hmm. End of film. Except, of course, it's not. Because right. <laughs> this not. is the Halloween franchise. Right. So you have the shot uh, of the basement that now is very much on fire, but looks kind of empty. You like can't see him anymore. Uh huh. But you're like, okay, well maybe he just like collapsed, and so he's like under all those flames. Right. Which it would is reasonable. Mm-hmm. Um. But then, in the post credit scene, you can hear him breathing. Yep. Because he's not dead. Of course he's not dead. No, because you can't kill Michael Myers. No, because you have to make more movies. Yes. Because you have to make more money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because this film... So this is a fun little, like, very specific piece of trivia. This film had the highest grossing opening weekend of any film in ever that starred a woman over the age of 55. <laughs> <laughs> that is a really random piece of trivia. And very specific. Very specific. But it's true. I mean... Awesome. Was also the best opening uh, that Bloomhouse ever had. Yeah, I can believe that. I mean, well, obviously. I mean, hello. I mean, <laughs> it's a Halloween movie. Like, right. it was going to do well. Right. But yeah, so now we have uh, today, mm-hmm. Halloween Kills comes out. Uh, hopefully, we will see it very soon. Yes. And hopefully today. Hopefully today. Um, and then, of course, we have uh, Halloween Ends, which is coming out next year. Right. Which is a lie. <laughs> That's all we know about that one. We, we know that this is a false A lie. <laughs> Not true. You lying liars. <laughs> you lying liars who lie. <laughs> so that's it for Halloween from 2018. Mm-hmm. Join us next week for A, our one year anniversary show. Hello. <laughs> Queen. And <laughs> B, the day that we will finally tackle the rocky horror picture show yeah which is so exciting oh so excited for it figure that what for our one year anniversary for our one year celebration we should pick the gayest movie possible yep yeah this is an ultimate gay horror classic i mean it is not you know how in like you know we talked about like subtext last week mm-hmm. yeah no subtext here no it is in your face yeah sure is and we love it <laughs> Uh, until then, rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. You can follow us on Spotify. We are doing YouTube video ne- videos now. We actually had to split October's video into two because there was just so much content coming out this year. Yeah. Uh, or this month. Hmm. <laughs> I mean this year, but also this month. Right. This month feels like a year right? when it comes to... <laughs> How much thing. is coming up? Yes. <laughs> uh, but they are both there for, for your watching pleasure. Go uh, check those out. You can just search Friday Night Frights Podcast on YouTube to find us there. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have an Instagram, uh, which is F and Frights Podcast. We have a Twitter, which is F and Frights Pod. We have a website, F and You can contact, contact us directly by screaming at us with our email address, scream at uh, F and Frights And then, of course, there is our Patreon, the Fright Club. Mm-hmm. And Sean, what is the first rule of Fright Club? 
the first rule of Fright Club is just leave town. Just fucking leave town, Lori. <laughs> Ma'am, you don't need to stay in Haddonfield. In no. fact, go clear across the fucking country because you know that if you're nearby, he's coming after you. Right? And, like, the fuck. <laughs> and the fuck. And the fuck. <laughs> like, if you want to be a fucking recluse... Why are you in the why are you in the forest in Illinois instead of on some sort of like remote island in the Caribbean? Yeah. I, like if you're gonna be a recluse, live it up. Yeah. <laughs> and then he's not gonna get to you. He's not a fucking shark. He can't swim. <laughs> I mean he might be able to swim, but he can't swim across the ocean. Like nobody can. I was gonna say this isn't Jason. He's not getting on the boat to get to Manhattan. <laughs> <laughs> Nor just able to survive underwater for some reason. Right. Right. <laughs> Like, I'm sorry, has he become a fish? <laughs> it's another talk for another day. <laughs> but yeah, just leave town. Yeah. Like, I, I can't think of anything that would have been worse for her, like, uh, healing from this incredibly traumatic experience than, like, just staying in town. Yeah. Should have left. Should have left real quick. And certainly should have left when she found out that he escaped. But, I mean, I get it. She wanted to kill him. Like, it was all about, like, her revenge. But, like, right. you know what else would have been revenge? Fucking living. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't need to kill him. You just need to live. <laughs> There's your revenge. <laughs> Thank you, and good night. <laughs> <laughs> so, gays and ghouls, tune in next Friday night. You'll be in for a fright. But until then, sleep tight. <laughs>